Hello, and welcome to the Golden Hour Podcast with your amazing host, Anna Gold. We hope you enjoy the conversation and learn something new. We have an amazing show planned for you today, and who knows, we might play a game or two. Ladies and gentlemen, without further delay, here she is, the amazing Anna Gold. Welcome to the Golden Hour with Anna Gold. And my guest today is Tyler Gruch, who owns Montana Film Production Rentals. And did you found the Montana Film Society? Yeah, myself and then a producer, uh, Jerry Rafter, did. Oh, that's awesome. What is the purpose of the Montana Film Society? So uh, quite a few years ago, the Montana Film Office was absorbed by the Office of Tourism. Oh. And there was a period there when nobody was actually kind of working in the film office and we had just lost our incentive. So it was looking pretty bleak for the future of, of Montana. And so oh, geez. I just remember calling, calling Jerry and I was like, we need to do something. And she was like, I, I don't know what to do. And I was like, I don't know either, but like, we need to do something. Ah. So we kind of got an idea of just like putting together a professional networking and training association, I guess, for lack of a better term, together of just kind of bringing everyone together, you know, whether you're... Uh, nice front of the camera behind the camera casting crew even just vendors to help support and just get everyone together and say you know hey this is important yes to work to bring the incentive back and work to support each other in the state so the the history from that so we helped and we brought the incentive back it became law in about oh i think it was 2019 came back so it's been around for like three years now or so Oh, that is wonderful. And what is the incentive about for those that don't know? Sure. So the state of Montana offers a tax credit Mm -hmm. for qualifying productions that shoot in the state of Montana. Mm -hmm. So if it's a commercial or a documentary or a TV show or a movie, Mm -hmm. basically they want to track the spending happens in the state. And then you apply for this credit and they give you back up to 30% of your total spend based on several different categories for that. So if you have just an indie film come in and spend a million dollars within the state, the state of Montana will issue a tax credit up to 30%, depending on what's a qualified expenditure for that. So. Oh, wow. It's a great way to incentivize companies to come and, and shoot in Montana. And then that helps uh, the economy for uh, statewide, but even just smaller towns. You think some of these towns in Montana have less than a thousand people. Oh, so yes. Uh-huh. You know, 150 cast and crew show up. They're, they're booking all the hotels. They're uh-huh. renting cars. You know, they're building sets and they're spending all that money there. So that, that's really neat. Yeah. Like, have you ever been to Pony, Montana? Um. I don't think I have. Where's Pony, Montana? Unless I have the name wrong. Well, okay, so I'm thinking of this little town that has 
maybe five buildings and there's a place called the Pony Bar. So I always, I always assumed that it was called Pony Montana because it's like there's one bar in the whole town. I don't even know if they have a post office. And no, I just Googled it. There is a, there is a Pony oh, Montana. Yes, it was fun. I had so much fun at like a little honky-tonk bar and everyone had cowboy hats on and I danced the night away. And it was just this fantastic little town. It's kind of out by Norris Hot Springs out that way. I think I yeah. went. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. It's worth going to. It's it's just the drive oh. will blow your mind and then you, you'll have fun too. <laughs> I worked on a Western out near there. Oh, The Ballad of Lefty Brown was shot not too far from there. Oh, what what is that about? The film poster looks really neat. It's kind of a sidekick redemption story, if that makes any sense. Yeah, kind of does. Like, so... So the sidekick of the main character is getting Yeah, he's he's kind of a bumbling like guy that doesn't seem to be a hero and then kind of come comes to it. So Oh. Um, kind of like that's Bill how Coleman was in it and oh, there's a lot of people. Oh, neat. Yeah, that's awesome. How did you get to work on all of these neat things? Like I saw your IMDb page and I was quite impressed because you work on Yellowstone and 1883. Like you're getting a lot of work, guy. How do you do this? <laughs> it's the same same story that you, you've always heard is it's just about fostering relationships and, and building a good network oh. of, of people, you know? Like, for example, one of the main electricians that worked on, well, he was the gaffer that worked on the ballot, Lefty Brown. Mm -hmm. um, years later, he comes back and he's working on 1883. And it's like, nice. you know, you, you get to establish those connections a long time ago and they kind of pay dividends. And it's, it's a long sales cycle, too. I mean, it could be years, it could be 10 years. But the biggest reason of just working on Yellowstone is just I was... We got lucky enough that they decided to, to shoot in Darby, Montana. Oh, uh, oh, good for you. Yes. And what's that you're drinking in the background? Anything like fresh and made in Montana? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just I, I poured myself a, a, a little a little whiskey drink. Oh, yeah. You can probably hear the ice rattling around. I can. And for some reason, I was imagining that it was whiskey because I had the best whiskey ever in Montana. It's called Never Sweat. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's made it here in Missoula. Oh, oh. No, no, it's not. That's made in Butte. Oh, Never Sweat's in Butte. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I found it like I'm temporarily in Illinois because my mom is not doing well, but I found that whiskey here at a bar and it's like two dollars a shot and i was like yes it's never sweat like the best montana whiskey in my opinion so anyway yeah there's some good ones out here oh there really are which kind are you drinking oh i'm just drinking some well whiskey nothing fancy ah nice it's still good whiskey's whiskey yeah, right. you know <laughs> it was just like it's kind of sounded good i was like put the kids to bed and i was like you know i've been moving cable all day i feel like Probably got to get relaxed. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, why not? It's good. Yes. So how was it easier for you, Tyler, because you're a native Montanan, right? You were born and mm -hmm. raised in Missoula. Was it easier for you to make the connections in Montana for film because of your birthright there, I guess? <laughs> Absolutely, because Montana is such a, a large area and there's just... 
I mean, there's only about a million people, barely a million people in the whole um, state. So when companies come in, you know, they, they're they're lost. They don't know. Cause it's one thing when you're shooting a movie in Atlanta or L.A., mm-hmm. but you have the resources. You know, it's like, oh, who are the people? Blah, blah, blah. You know, where do I get the stuff? Where do I get this? Uh, it's all lined up. It's like. Yeah, you need props. You just go to ISS in LA and uh-huh. get whatever you need. But in Montana, there is no prop houses. Oh, there, there isn't this wide infrastructure. You know, some places barely even have hotels, right? Yes, that's uh, right. Some places only have one day UPS and one day FedEx. Oh wow! So you got to help manage those logistics and the expectations and you really are kind of independent and you have to kind of figure it out. You know, there's a lot of places we shoot where you don't have cell service. Oh. I'll tell the, the crew, you know, when we're prepping the show and stuff, like mm-hmm. make sure you always take a screenshot of the map or have it offloaded to your phone because you, you cannot rely on Google maps. And, you know, some crew members take it to heart and it's good advice. Some, you know, kind of roll their eyes. <laughs> You know, everything works, but it it doesn't. So that's right. um, I experienced that out there, but it's kind of nice because that means that you're finding your way and you do figure it out. Because I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like people are rather helpful out there, rather Mm -hmm. willing to look out for their neighbor. And I mean, I feel like if you did get lost, someone would pass by and just be like oh it's 10 miles that way or but but no that's smart that you prepare them for those things and that you you're like guys this is not like the ordinary place there are miles and miles of nothing and you have to get used to it right and then just uh finding locations and and people and, and all that it's like you have you have those deep connections where it's like oh i used to play football with so and so oh Three Forks, Montana, and they have a ranch. You should call them or, or oh. whatever it is. You know, uh, it's it's literally that small of a community. And as a a crew base, I mean, there's only oh, I bet there's maybe five hundred of us or so. That's um, probably throughout the whole state. So uh, when a big show comes to town, you know, it's a lot of the same people you you work with over the the years, which is great because it's its own nice little community. That is nice. It's almost like they become family. Yeah, in, in a sense, for sure. I mean, you're spending 12, 12 hours a day with some of these people for, for, for long periods of time. So, yeah. Do you ever miss people from different sets? Like, it's really what happened to me. Like, when I would work on a certain set and build a relationship with someone and then not see them for four more movies or five more movies, do you ever get that feeling? Or Oh, totally. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it's like, it's like, oh, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And uh, there's always, always that you make, you make good friendships along the way. And it's kind of hard not to, yeah. especially when you're, you're around people for 12, 16 hour days. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of hard work too. It's like you, you definitely bond over that. Yes, you do over the craft service table. <laughs> yes. If it's good, hopefully they have more than like bagels. 
We've all been on those shoots. Yes. Great. We have oranges from yesterday. Yes. Dry bagels with nothing on them. You're just supposed to chew, I guess. I don't know. No toaster even. It's just like, well, this is it. This is filmmaking. I'm in it for good. I'm in it for the long run. We're going to do this. So, yeah. So did you know from being a little boy that you wanted to be a filmmaker? Yeah, I've always, long, long time ago, I mean, even even in high school, it's like, man, it'd be really cool to, like, be able to do this as a, a living, as a career. And, uh, you know, it's like, I always loved going to movies and love TV. And, uh, That's cool. Kind of slowly progressed. I did a, some job shadowing in, in high school. Oh. And I always thought it was cool, but it was still... It was still a little bit of a pipe dream just because, you know, there wasn't the digital revolution that we see now where there's like a bazillion million options and TV channels. Yes. Endless streaming. Uh, So content was still a little guarded. I mean, nowadays it's like, yeah, it's just another job that like seems like anyone. I mean, there's so many opportunities out there, but. Yes, there are. There, there really wasn't that many, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Oh. But after, after the digital revolution and streaming became a thing, it's like the amount of content they put out, it's like you, you, can't, even, you can't even watch it all. Oh, it, awesome. it would be impossible. Although during COVID, I was wondering if it, if it would ever end. Like I thought maybe there's a bottom to all the content when they weren't filming it. I'm like, Hmm, could I watch all the Netflix shows? They're not filming any. I, I just, I had that curious thought. Do you think that there was ever a bottom? Like if someone sat during COVID and watched everything? I don't think so. I I mean, honestly, it's like, there's, I mean, how many seasons of the Sopranos are there? Oh, you're right. Just watching Lost in its entirety is like, and that's just one show, you know? It's like, there's shows that I haven't even started because it's like, Boardwalk Empire looks cool, Billions looks cool, but like, I I don't even, where do I start? And I still haven't finished my other shows. Exactly. Actually, Boardwalk Empire is cool. I can confirm this. I know, and I want to see it, but I just don't have the the time and the, you know, you start to watch one thing. It's just, I mean, there's so many. It's it's awesome. Oh, I agree. Yeah. There are so many, I guess you have to pick and choose like the best ones or like, what do you really want to see? And, but I have to warn you that boardwalk empire can be violent in certain scenes. So if you have kids, I know you said you did just don't let them in the room. I wouldn't. (laughs) Right. And that's another thing. The, the one and a half hours I have to myself after the kids go to bed, it's like, what do I want to pick? Yeah. Something more relaxing than that. (laughs) Um, Speaking of kids, do your um, children take interest in the entertainment industry? So they're pretty young. I have a a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Oh, they are young. uh, (laughs) I mean, they like watching cartoons and TV just like every other and movies, just like every other kid. We have movie night with the the four-year-old. Oh, um, oh, that's he's really into Star Wars now. So, oh, that's nice. May fourth is coming up. Well, I was thinking that we could play a little trivia. You said that your favorite 
movie or one of your favorite movies that is, is called The Big Short. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I, when I, I look at that, it's like you take, it's a, it's a concept that's inherently boring. <laughs> you know, sh- shorting the investment of mortgage backed finances through Fannie Mae. And you're like, yeah, how are you going to make that interesting? And somehow they did it. They did. You're right. And I think part of it was that Steve Carell was in it. At least I think he makes a lot of movies good. And he he always seems so sincere in his acting and whatever it does, you know, whatever he does, no matter how ridiculous it is, I feel like I want to believe him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Yeah. So do you think you can pass this 10 question quiz? Oh God, probably not, but we'll try it anyways. <laughs> It's multiple choice, and um, if you have anyone nearby, you can phone a friend or call um, a friend into the other room if you need any help. I'll give you like I'll give you three lifelines. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's multiple choice. It's a ten question quiz, and let's see what you get right. All and, right, let's do it. All right. Okay. The first question for the big short is. The film opens with a quote by Mark Twain that sets up the problem at heart of the real-life events that inspired the movie. Complete the quote. It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. Um, And then the, the second sentence of that quote is, it's what you know for sure that just ain't so, or it's what everyone else doesn't know, or it's what you didn't know you didn't know. Or lastly, it's what you don't do that gets you. So the, I know that's kind of a loaded, that's a big question. The first part of the quote again is, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. It's what everyone else doesn't know. It's what you didn't know you didn't know. Or it's what you don't do that gets you. Oh, boy. I, know. I don't remember the quote at all in the beginning. <laughs> uh, I would say, if I had to guess, I would say C. C. Okay. It's what you didn't know you didn't know. Yeah, that sounds right. It's That does sound like something that Mark Twain might have said. Um, right. Yeah. It's, uh, gosh, Mark Twain had such a great sense of humor. Have you ever read his books? Oh, I in, back in high school, we read uh, what, Tom Sawyer. Oh, yeah, I know that you're required no, to. Yeah, that was a required reading. And that's, I felt like that was hard when you were in high school to re, to like get through that. But he's got mm-hmm. other stuff. Like there's a, a short story that he wrote called A Murder, A Mystery, and A Marriage. And I thought it was really funny. It was like 80 pages and I thought it was pretty good. Um, anyway, on to question number two, and I think you'll get all of the answers at the end of the quiz. So you'll know what you did and I'll send you a prize from Anna Gold at the Golden Hour Show. All right. (laughs) Thank you. Um, all right. Question two is Michael Burry, the character of Michael Burry played by Christian Bale in the big short was a former doctor turned hedge fund manager, looks into the top 20 selling MBSs or mortgage bonds and discovers that they are all propped up on bad subprime adjustable rate loans and that the default rate is already going up. He realizes that they will fail eventually. What does he decide to do next? What does Christian Bale's character decide 
to do next. Does he decide to buy Bear Stearns stock? Does he decide to buy a boathouse? <laughs> does he decide to invest in real estate? Or does he decide to short the housing market? He decides to short the housing market. Yes, I think so too. Um, okay, question three. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Is Ryan Gosling played the character of Jared Vinette Bennett, uh, a slick bond trader from Deutsche Bank. In the movie, he pitches his investment proposal to Mark Baum, Steve Carroll, um, and his team at the Front Point Capital Hedge Fund. What tabletop game requiring manual dexterity does he use to illustrate his points about mortgage bonds? So, does he use Operation... Jenga, Battleship, or Monopoly? I'm pretty sure it's Jenga. Yes, I think I remember that too. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I think I remember that scene. Because they're talking about the AAA ratings. Oh, yes, and that they could fall and collapse, I think, right? Was that the scene? Yeah, I don't know. I could be remembering it wrong. (laughs) Yeah, now I have to go back and watch it again, but it it was intense, that movie. Okay, question four is the film contains cameos from numerous celebrities and leaders in their field to explain the more complicated concepts that are needed to follow the story. Which celebrity chef and Kitchen Confidential author explains collateralized debt obligations by comparing them to fish stew? (laughs) Um, Was it Anthony Bourdain, Thomas Keller, Gordon Ramsay or Mario Batali? I think it's Anthony Bourdain, but I'm not sure. I don't remember him. Yeah, I'm trying to think about that too. I thought those cameos were funny, but I can't remember who it was. Like who the? I'm pretty sure it's Anthony Bourdain. That's a good guess. I believe he's yeah. he's still alive. Actually, I have a theory. <laughs> My theory is that he faked his own death and moved to a jungle island. Oh. Yeah, I do think that he hated celebrity and that he hated his celebrity status. And I kid you not, I was living in Chicago at the time of his death. And a lot of people reported seeing him on the train after he was supposedly dead. And it wasn't just like one or five people. It it was a weird thing. So I, I don't know. I just have a theory. And I know you're like, what does Chicago have to do with the jungle island? I don't know. I just feel like he moved somewhere super far away and grew a beard and lives off an island. That's just what I think. Huh. Oh, that's, a, that's a solid theory. I can see that. Yeah, thanks. I hope it's true. I hope I get to meet him one day. <laughs> I'll be sailing to Borneo soon. <laughs> there you go. Um, anyway, qu- question number five is, hold on, please. My phone just went dark. Um, okay. In the movie, two of Front Point's traders, Danny, played by, oh, sorry if I'm pronouncing this name ra- r- incorrectly, ra- Raf. Rafay Spall and Porter, played by Hamish Linklater, investigate a housing development in Miami to determine if there is really a housing bubble. They learn that most of the homeowners have defaulted on their mortgages and moved out. What do they find in the swimming pool of an abandoned home? An alligator, an air conditioner, a television, or the former occupant? Oh, boy. 
Do you need Do you need to phone uh, a friend? <laughs> no, I, I want to say it's an alligator, but you know that's a good guess because it is Florida, so that would be my right. my I guess. Don't remember that scene, but yeah, no. Go with I'm an go with alligator. alligator? Yeah. Okay, alligator. It is. Um, the character of Mark joins Danny and Porter in Miami, where they speak to a couple of mortgage brokers who confirm that they engage in predatory mortgage lending practices and will write home loans for people who cannot afford them. I don't get it, Mark says, after he pulls Danny and Porter aside. Why are they confessing? Danny and Porter exchange a look. They're not confessing, Danny explains. What does Porter say? They're making excuses. They're apologizing. They're bragging. Or they're laying blame. They are bragging. Aha. Uh-huh. I bet they are. Yeah. Those kind of people do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I. Uh, oh, we'll see soon. This question is, Charlie Geller and Jamie Shipley are the founders of Brownfield Capital, and they meet with J.P. Morgan about the possibility of getting an ISDA agreement. In an on-screen caption, the film explains that trying to be a high-stakes trader without an ISDA is like trying to win the Indy 500 riding blank. A Vespa, a Honda, a Skoda, or a Llama. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, I would say Vespa. Okay. Let's give it a shot. Could be Honda. I don't know. All right. We'll find out. Vespa is your first choice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with it. Okay. That's cool. Okay. Number eight is eight out of 10 is mortgage delinquencies begin skyrocketing in January of 2007, but the value of subprime mortgage bonds actually go up, triggering premium plate payments for everyone holding credit default swaps on mortgage bonds. Mark Baum and Vinny Daniel pay a visit to Georgia Hale, an employee of Standard & Poor's Credit Ratings Agency. What is Georgia wearing throughout most of their meeting? I exam sunshades, a rainbow wig, a cervical collar, or dental braces. That's a random detail. It's a very... That is a... Crazy random detail. I know. <laughs> Very minute, like thing that you really have to pay attention to. So I guess when the main characters go to visit Standard and Poor, what is Georgia Hale, an employee played by Melissa Leo, wearing at Standard and Poor's offices? Eye exam sunshades, a rainbow wig, a cervical collar, or dental braces? <laughs> I, I guess braces. Braces? Okay. Total guess, but who knows? Yeah, that wouldn't be expected, I, I feel like, in a place like that. Okay. Everyone who might be tuning in, <laughs> we're playing the Big Short Trivia, a 10-question quiz with Tyler. Please pronounce your last name. Grooch. Grooch. <laughs> Thank you very much. Tyler Grooch, a filmmaker from Montana, and uh, he's going to win a prize regardless of how he does. It's awesome. It's the big short trivia. Okay. Number nine is Charlie and Jamie realize that they need to hedge their bets after having to pay the premiums on the credit default swaps they own. So they travel to Las Vegas with Ben, Brad Pitt, to attend the American Securitization Forum where they make a deal with several banks to short the double A rated tranches of the CDOs. Charlie and Jamie celebrate by cheering and dancing. 
What does Ben do? He tells them to stop. He makes a bet. He orders a drink or he joins in. Ben is Brad Pitt's character, I guess. So when they're happy, what does Brad Pitt's character do? <laughs> I would say he orders a drink. That's, that seems most reasonable. Yes, it does, actually. It seems like something he would do or his characters would do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's always, I feel like he's always eaten in every movie he's in. He is. Yes, actually, even if it's just like an olive or something small, it does seem like he's always got something in his mouth. That's funny. Good. Oh, that's funny. Um, Okay, number 10 is the crash. The housing market crash begins in April of 2007. And Michael Burry, Charlie Geller, Jamie Shipley, and eventually even Mark Baum all sell their short positions. Burry's Scion Capital does particularly well, making a 489 return, sorry, 489% return for its investors. But he decides to close down his hedge fund and concentrate on his personal portfolio. In what commodity does Michael Burry focus all of his investments as stated in the closing titles? Uh, I actually know this before the multiple choice. Oh, cool. What is it, please? It's water. Oh, yeah, that's a very needed commodity. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, thank you. All right. Let's see. Submit my answers. Let's see what's next. Okay. I'm going to count the answers. Dun, 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 dun. You, you have a lot, right? Actually, you do know this movie pretty well. Uh, okay. I see two wrong. And sorry, sir, four wrong, but... Uh, I will still send you something. Um, I'm having some custom things made actually for my podcast. So um, I just ordered samples of these things. Um, Sweatbands, wristbands, like 1970s style. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And I'm having a whole bunch of other things made. Um, Do you have any suggestions for what you might like? Like a key oh, wow. keychain, uh, you can name anything because I'm going sort of 1970s theme. That's my deal. That's my bag, baby. <laughs> 1970s, mm-hmm. like gold chains and I, you know, sweat bands. Yes, and- S- sweat bands for sure. I was thinking of actually having tube socks made with the emblem on it, like the. That'd be kind of cool. Okay, I will. I will get you those because I'm. I, I'm doing this, and everybody, this has been Tyler. Gro- oh my gosh, I can do this! I can Grinch. do this, Grinch, Grinch. Okay. Oh, you know what I'm doing? I'm gonna phoneticize this. Okay. Right. Okay. So G two O's R O T Grinch. Oh, got it. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Tyler. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Golden Hour podcast with Anna Gold. This has been my guest, Tyler Grooch, um, who is the co-founder of the the Montana Film Society, which if you are listening and you are a filmmaker in the state of Montana, you may register. Is that correct, Tyler? Yeah, sign up um, to our our newsletter and our email list. And uh, the the Facebook page has a lot of a lot of good updates um, on things happening all across the state. Yes. Thank you. And you're also, um, you rent production equipment. Is that right? Yep. We have a whole fleet of trucks and we rent everything from grip and electric to production stuff. So tents, tables, chairs, walkies, anything and everything you need to, to shoot in the state of Montana. 
Oh, right. That's awesome. Um, and where may we find you for that? How do we look you up for the rental? If you just go to montanavideoproductionrentals.com, you can find all the inventory lists and find a way to reach reach us. And we can help you find the locations you need, the crew, uh, and all the gear. So get you get you sorted out. That sounds nice. Well, thank you, Tyler. And oh, do you want to hear the answers that you got right? Yeah, no, I'm kind of curious. All right. Do you want to hear the right and wrong answers or just the right answers? Uh, or just the just wrong the right answers? I, I, no, I think I kind of remember what I guessed, though. Okay. So what you got right was the question, Christian Bale's character, a former doctor turned hedge fund manager, looks into the top 20 selling MBSs or mortgage bonds and discovers that they are all propped up on bad subprime adjustable rate loans and that the default rate is already going up. He realizes that they will fail eventually. What does he decide to do next? He decides to short the housing market. Dun, da, da, da. You got that right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Number three, you got right also. Uh, which was about the board game. Uh, what did they play? Oh, that's Jenga. Yes, that's right. So the question was, the character of Jared Bennett pitches his investment proposal to Mark Baum and his team at the Front Point Capital Hedge Fund. Which tabletop game requiring manual dexterity does he use to illustrate his points about mortgage bonds? And it was Jenga. Yeah. Jenga. Nice. Jenga. <laughs> And you got the question four right, which was the film contains cameos from numerous celebrities and leaders in their field to explain the more complicated concepts that are needed to follow the story. Which celebrity chef and kitchen confidential author explains collateralized debt obligations by comparing them to fish stew? And you said, I said the Bourdain. Yes, that's correct. Ding, ding, ding. And he is an yeah, the man who is still alive. <laughs> yes, I'm the somewhere. yes, that's right. I might be like Elvis's followers, like you know how Elvis had diehard oh, fans. Yeah. They're like Elvis yeah. isn't dead. <laughs> right. Um. Anyway, who knows? Really. Okay. And the another question that you got right was two of Front Point traders, Danny and Porter, investigate a housing development in Miami to determine if there is really a housing bubble. They learn that most of the homeowners have defaulted on their mortgages and have moved out. What do they find in the swimming pool of an abandoned home? An alligator, you said. Yay! Nice. <laughs> yeah. There was one more, and you got it right. And the question was... The crash finally begins in April of 2007, and Michael Burry, Charlie Geller, Jamie Shipley, and eventually even Mark Baum all sell their short positions. Burry's Scion Capital does particularly well, making a 489% return for its investors, but he decides to close down his hedge fund and concentrate on his personal portfolio. In which commodity does Michael Burry focus all of his investments, as stated in the closing titles? And your answer was? Water. Yes, you got it right. And this has been the Trivia Quiz with Tyler Grooch and Anna Gold. This is it, folks. Thank you so much for joining. I've had a blast on the Golden Hour. And um, thank you very much, Tyler. Well, yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Have a nice day. Yep, you too. Thank you. Bye. This has been the Golden Hour Podcast with your host, Anna Gold. 
We invite you to come back next time for more laughs, fascinating guests, and most importantly, movie trivia. Think of her next time you watch The Sunset or Chug of V8. Don't forget to find her on Instagram and take a peek at her profile on IMDb. Until next time, stay golden.